You know, today is a very significant day in history. And you think of all of the events that have occurred throughout the years on this day. Here's an example. 1998, Burger King made an announcement. And, and I don't know if you caught it. It had forever changed how we enjoy a burger, especially if you are left-handed. They came out with the left-handed Whopper. In 1998, in fact, sales just skyrocketed of left-handed people standing in line wanting the left-handed Whopper, and it's never been the same since. And then, of course, in in April 1st, 2002, there was another huge life-changing thing that happened in in Kansas City. Um, There were two DJs on the local radio station uh, that announced Live on the air, they said, we have uh, received word um, that there are elevated levels of dehydrogen monoxide in the water supply in the Kansas City area. Uh, and, and some side effects include sweating, uh, excessive urination, skin pruning, and, and other things. And, and, and in fact, in that moment, hundreds of citizens started calling the public works department. There was a, an outcry, what are we going to do about this? Until somebody started to realize that the hydrogen monoxide is H2O, uh, which is the chemical equivalent of water. Yeah, so goes April Fools, doesn't it? Uh, April Fools. Maybe you've played an April Fools joke before, and you know some of them are kind of serious. Others are kind of funny, others are just humorous and just kind of like, huh, isn't that interesting? We were pondering the idea of coming out today and saying, isn't that too bad what happened after the game last night? When they announced that because of a technicality, Michigan lost, right? That would not be a joke. You know what I'm saying? They won! Go blue. Anyway, had to say that. Let's move on. April Fool's Day goes back quite a few years, back in the 1500s, just if you're curious on this, um, 1581 or 1582, they they say in France, there was a date change of the the new year went from being April 1st to starting January 1st, and because news didn't travel very fast, those that didn't get word of it and still thought April 1st was the new year, uh, they were considered to be kind of slow and made fun of, and and they'd actually put, uh, one of the jokes was is they would put fish on the backside, not real fish, but paper fish on their backs, gluing them there, and the idea was that they're a slow catch kind of thing. And that's where the, the word gullible came from, and if you didn't know this, it, it isn't in the dictionary. Just, you can look that up later, gullible. I'm just kidding, April Fool's, <laughs> totally in the dictionary. But I say this by way of, um, some scholars believe that the first Easter actually happened on April 1st, that this is the date that very likely was the first Easter. And, and I get this, is that there are a lot of skeptics out there, there might be even some among us here today, that think, well, that's perfect. Actually, that fits totally in stride with the whole Easter message, that clearly this is a big joke, it is a big prank, pulled over, over humanity, and people should wake up and realize that how can anyone believe that someone, a Jewish son of a carpenter, was executed on a Roman cross, and then some way, against all odds, rises from the dead? I mean, come on, who believes something like that? April fools, they might say, or you might say. How do you answer that? I want to share this with you that, you know, actually the thought that this would be a far-fetched 
deception is not a new idea. In fact, we even find in the scriptures uh, at the time of Jesus' crucifixion that the officials, the religious leaders that had everything in mind to to shut Jesus down and and squelch his message and, and end this once and for all, they were worried about it as well being the ultimate deception because they were aware of his his claims that he would rise again from the dead. In fact, we, we find this in the, the Gospels. I want to read this with you from Matthew chapter 27. And it says this, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse, worse than the first. And, and their idea is that, you know, Jesus was a heretic. He wasn't preaching truth. He was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be the Savior. He was claiming to be the Messiah who had come to bring peace, who had come to bring forgiveness and grace and mercy to people who thought they were far from God. And they thought, this is the worst thing that could ever happen in this world. And they wanted to shut it down. (laughs) They were worried the disciples would try to deceive the world and pull a prank, pull a fast one. Well, that's the environment, right? So are we then Easter fools today? If we say Christ is risen, does that make us fools To believe such a thing, to preach such a thing, to talk about such a thing, to get all dressed up for such a thing. Is it real? Is it true? And how do we know? Is it important? You know, let's face it, some pranks, if you pull it on somebody, it could be good for a laugh, but there are other pranks, if they go badly, can be disastrous. I'll show you a picture. Uh, There's a cliff, Sussex, England, in 2001. Uh, again, some radio DJs, they always seem to get in trouble, but they, they reported on the, the radio that there was a replica of the Titanic being seen off the coast of Sussex, off the, off the cliffs, and, and hundreds and hundreds of people flooded out to go and see this reported replica of the Titanic. The problem was it was a hoax, it wasn't real, but the hundreds of people being on the rock actually caused such an excess of weight that it formed a five-foot crack in the cliff, and... Praise God, it didn't happen until the next day, but that piece of the cliff the next day fell off of the cliff down into the the water below, and and the thought was, this could have been tragic, all over a lie, a hoax. You know, and as we come together today, what if those would say, well, what if it's not true? And their answer is, it would be tragic for us as God's people if this is not true. And you might say, well, what's the big deal? I mean, it's just a nice thing. Jesus said, be nice to people. Well, there's more going on than just simply a Savior who comes to be nice. He comes to be a Savior. And everything rides on this event. And we're not crazy or foolish to believe it. Paul even says it. And Paul was one of the greatest skeptics of all time, so much so that he was persecuting, putting to death people who were of Jesus and followers of Jesus. And Paul yet later comes to faith and is so convinced how important this whole event is. This is what he writes. In his testimony in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is what? Futile. 
you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep, in other words, died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. He says, I feel sorry for anyone if this is not true. What are we doing? What are we wasting our time on? What are we wasting our resources on? What are we wasting our efforts on? If it's not true, if Jesus is a hoax, we are to be pitied among anyone in this world. (laughs) So how do you know? How do you know we're not just going through the motions? Maybe you are truly in that place. Come on, this is a joke, right? Or maybe you know someone who believes that. And you don't know what to say. I want to share really three things today in answering that question. Are we Easter fools? Are we Easter fools? We could talk for really weeks on this topic, but we're going to spend just a few minutes to lay out three ways that we're convinced point to the fact it's true. It really happened. And it has to do with the eyewitness accounts of those who saw it. This is not just someone who said and then said and then said and then said. There were people who were eyewitnesses to the events of the resurrection, who saw it with their own eyes, who recorded it and testified to it. And there's three things about those eyewitnesses I want to bring to your attention today. And here they are. Who they were, as well as how many were there, and what they were. Now, those are the three things. Who, they, who were they, how many were there, and what they are. Now, here we go with this. So let me explain this to you. First of all, who were they? You know, if you were going to start a rumor in first century, here's what you would not do. You would not do what all the gospel writers record when it has to do with the first witnesses of the resurrection. Who were the first witnesses? They were women. And you know, what's important to understand here is Christianity, and a lot of times we lose this in the mix of the centuries, and, and, is, is that Christianity revolutionized uh, the, the place of women in this world. Jesus lifted up women. He spent time with women. He crossed social boundaries and political boundaries as well as religious boundaries of the day to have conversations with women, to encourage women. We see it throughout the New Testament that women were lifted up. We're seen as leaders. We're seen as important. Their their message, their word mattered. And yet, here in the resurrection, the the disciples and the the gospel writers say it is the women that receive that first message. And in the culture at that time, you would not say that because right from the beginning of that being said, oh, it was the women that saw him alive, it would not have been believed. Because that in, in that culture, women didn't have rights. They weren't respected. They weren't considered to be reliable. And if you're going to try to start a hoax or a rumor, you certainly wouldn't say the women were the first witnesses. In fact, as other gospels record, as they go back and tell the disciples, at first they don't believe it as a result. And yet that soon changes when you see the revolution of what happens when Jesus gets a hold of his people. Women who they are, are they, they're the first witnesses. The second thing is, how many were there? I remember growing up and hearing the Easter story and saying, okay, well, there are just a few people that heard about Jesus rising from the dead. And, 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 and then people challenged me and said, well, you know, just a few people, they could start a rumor, couldn't they? They could make this up. And it wasn't until later when I started reading the scripture more and even that testimony we hear more from Paul, again, one of the greatest skeptics of all times, and persecutors of the church 
who gives that testimony of how many people actually saw him alive. Here's that testimony again from 1 Corinthians. Notice what it says. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that, here it is, he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, just another name for Peter, um, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Uh, And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. (laughs) It's just a lot of people. The thought that Jesus showed up for a small group meeting in an upper room, and that was about it, is, is not true. Over those 40 days before his ascension, he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people, even as Paul writes here, 500 at the same time. And when he's writing this, many of those people are still alive and could refute that testimony that was being shared throughout the churches. It sort of brought an outcry. This is not true. He's he's telling a lie. No, he's saying truth because there are multitudes of people who not only saw Jesus die, but saw him alive. They were witnesses of this. These aren't just made-up stories by a couple people. These are eyewitness accounts of the events that Jesus rose from the dead. Some who have added this all up, that if you took all of these eyewitnesses and you brought them into a court of law and had them testify to what they had seen and what they had heard and gave each of them 15 minutes, you would have over two weeks of nonstop testimony And that is if you never took a break, 24-7, 15 minutes at a time, one witness after another saying, this is what I saw. I saw him with my own eyes. He rose from the dead. That's an incredible witness. When you compare that to other world religions or other sects like, like, like Joseph Smith, the Mormon church, and he says, oh, I had this vision and an angel appeared to me and these gold tablets. Well, nobody's ever seen the gold tablets and... We only have one person's testimony that he's written this whole other book that refutes a lot of what the Bible says. Or somebody like the, uh, the, the leader of Charles Taze Russell of, of the, uh, uh, whatever, years ago, come on, I can't think of it all of a sudden, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And he says, I had this vision and, and God told me this. Well, there's no one to back that up and yet you start a whole nother cult based on one person's word. You know, when we come to Christianity, there is no other world faith that is, is, has as verse, adverse of, of testimony as what ours does. The number of people who are eyewitnesses to the events that form the basis of our faith. We can know today it's true. Not just a hoax, but not just that. Talked about who they were, talked about how many there were, but what about this? What they were. We find out in in God's word, they were willing to stop at nothing than talk about what they had seen and what they would heard. Would you be willing to die for a lie? If you got together with a few friends and and you made up this story, would you then go out if if you were brought before and, and put on death row, would you be willing to die for a lie? And yet the early disciples, and not just the early disciples, disciples ever since, have been willing to die for a message because it transforms their life. Who they are and what they are is that they become bold in their witness. They couldn't help but speak about what they had seen and what they had heard. 
because it had transformed their life. They realized this is not just a, an April Fool's joke. This is not some hoax or prank. It changes lives because God has come near to offer forgiveness and grace to people who think they are far from God, to tell them and make it revealed to them that death has been, has been defeated once and for all. And that there is reason to celebrate in this broken, fallen world that we have hope that does not end. Not a hoax, not a prank, not foolish, but rather with the joy that our Savior has given us. That's why Paul would write this later when he explains. And if Christ has not been raised, as we read this, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, then those who also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, read it with me, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He lives. As Paul would say it later, or actually earlier in the same book, he says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but, there it is again, to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That makes today an amazing day. And as Steve mentioned, the joke's on Satan, the joke is on death, the joke is on sin, but we get the opportunity to laugh and celebrate. Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.